Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Let's, let's, read what, let's read the context. So this is chapter 5. He says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And I love how John talks about what we call getting saved. Like in modern days, we talk about getting saved. Mainly because, and there's nothing wrong with the term getting saved, because we are saved from something, right? Uh, but I like how John doesn't emphasize this idea of being saved from something. Rather, it's more about getting born into something else. So for John, this is not just a church that you join. This is not a card that you, you know, a card carrying member of anything. This is not a club. This is a family that you are born into or birthed into. So John says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, that's the key. That is how you are born again. So that sounds too easy. Well, it is. It is simple. Even children can understand this. And that's why Jesus said, let the children come to me. We have overcomplicated things. He says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, in other words, he is the chosen one of God. He's the lamb of God. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten. Now, you can't see this because it's all caps, but in the, in, in, in the regular Bible, not this fancy font, you will see that whoever loves him, that is... Uh, large case him who begot or who gave birth also loves him small case h uh, who is begotten of him by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments and this is key for this is the love of God that we would keep his commandments and he adds his commandments are not burdensome or are not heavy so last week I preached on the lightness of living with Jesus and and because his commandments are not burdensome so we jumped to Matthew I think it's chapter 11 where Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So those of you that were with us last week, you, you heard about that. That is, that's Jesus' version of why his commandments are not burdensome. Because his yoke is easy. Remember, yoke, was, it's, it's the wooden thing that they put on, on two oxen. And the idea is that when you yoke up or connect up a, a two oxen together, the two can do more than just one. Well, guess what? When you yoke up with Jesus or connect up with Jesus, Jesus through you, next to you, can, you can do more with Jesus than by yourself. You can, you can accomplish more. And so this is, this is God's secret to a fulfilled life, is hooking up or yoking up with Jesus, connecting to him so that in every situation, I am next to Jesus. I never enter any room by myself because Jesus is always with me. And not only is he with me, but I have the strength, the strongest ox helps bear the load for the weaker one. And Jesus happens to be a lot stronger than me. So he's able to carry me and push me through all kinds of life circumstances. And so this is the key. He says, he says the commandments, oh, there we are, uh, are not, are not, not, in case you needed a visual, uh, are not burdensome. And if we can go down, 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 down to verse four. So this is John's reason. I, I, I shared with you last week, Jesus's reason as to why his commandments are not burdensome. Now this is John through the Holy Spirit says, because this is why it's not burdensome, because whatever's born of God overcomes the world. In other words, John recognizes that at first the commandments of Christ seem heavy. They seem hard, right? Luke chapter 9, Jesus says, anyone who wants to gain his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake or gives his life over to me will find it. That sounds pretty difficult because I kind of like my stuff. 
I like my money. I like my house. I like my family. I don't want to give my family over to God. Who knows what God's going to do with it, right? Uh, but yet, yet Jesus says, this is how you find life. Well, John says, look, the difficulty with Jesus' commandments is that the thoughts, the ways, and the value systems of the world make his commandments seem hard. Right? So when, when, when Jesus says, give everything to me, the value system of the world says you need to try to keep as much stuff for yourself as you possibly can. And if we are living according to the value system of the world, suddenly Jesus' commandments seem really hard. Uh, and and this, this happens all the time. And as a pastor, I'm always, I'm always trying to help people see Jesus' commandments from Jesus' point of view. And it's really hard because we live in a whole nother point of view oftentimes where our Facebook feed is full of Satanism, as I preached a few weeks ago. And that's not, I'm not even a conspiracy theorist, right? It's just like so much of our radio, so much of our thinking is filled with more of a satanic way of looking at life, which is it's all about here and now. Do the best, make the most of your 70 or whatever years you have on the earth, gain and collect as much, as much money, as much experiences, as many wonderful relationships, release, get rid of everything that blocks earthly happiness. Remember, that's from the Satanic Bible. Remove all things that block your earthly success and happiness. And this is, this is the world's way of thinking, which is why Jesus' commandments can be hard. Because he doesn't think that way. He thinks in terms of eternity. He thinks in terms of joy, unspeakable and full of glory. He thinks in terms of freedom. He thinks in terms of uh, peace and joy and hope and love, the kind of stuff that the world cannot give the kind of stuff the world cannot take away. This is the way Jesus thinks. But yet, but yet the world, and so the world thinks this other way. And so John recognizes that. And he says, look, this is why his commandments are not burdensome. Because whoever is born of God overcomes the world or the worldly thinking or worldly mentalities. And you will need to overcome the world in order for his commandments to not be burdensome. To put it another way, if you're, if you're, a, if you're an oxen, and we don't have to switch back and forth the different pictures. Um, if, it, 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 put it, like if, you're, if, if, you're, if you're that ox and you have that yoke around your neck and you're yoked up to Jesus and he's a stronger ox and he's helping you go forward and go through life and it's wonderful from a certain point of view. But as soon as you decide you don't want to go in the same direction as Jesus, that same yoke that helped you move forward is now hurting your neck. So if you're going with Jesus this way and you decide you want to go this way and the stronger ox called Jesus is going that way, you're going to get a really sore neck really quick. Yeah. This is why a lot of Christians are grumpy. <laughs> this is why they will go around life like this. Because it's tough. It's tough being like, ah, oh, man, I really should do that, but I really don't want to. And, you really, it, and so yoking yourself up with Jesus means that as long as you're going the same direction as Jesus and at the same speed as Jesus, you're good. But as soon as you decide that Jesus' direction isn't best direction for your life and you have a better idea and culture has a better idea and you start trying to veer off the path, it gets really burdensome and really heavy. And now Jesus is this heavy yoke around your neck, always killing your fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like it's all, it's all, man. It's like it's like I, I I I get going, life gets going good, and then I feel this pull, and I'm trying to. And really, what you're trying to do is you're trying to stay yoked to Jesus without walking with Jesus, and it's so heavy, and it's so burdensome. And this is where this is where this is where if you stay in that state, you will be one of those old grumpy religious people. <laughs> 
Because you do that all your life. You try to figure out ways to do what you want while complying with the word of God. You know, I don't want to go against what he said, but I want to do what I want to do. Well, man, it's going to be so difficult for you. And so John says the key to having the lightness of living with Jesus is to overcome that, that worldly thinking, that thing that tries to pull you off the path. If you stop doing that, you'll have freedom and you'll have a lightness of living with Jesus because it, Jesus is really great to live with as long as you're walking in the same direction. But when you decide to walk in a different direction, like I was talking to one person, this is years ago, and they were, they were saying, they were saying, oh, Pastor Harry, you know, your preaching is getting real negative lately. And uh, I said, what do you, what do you mean? Like, I, I was literally, I, was, I just finished up a sermon series titled something, I forget what it was titled, but it was something like, like your best life now or something. I mean, it was literally like that kind of title because I really believe God has your best life for you and it's through submitting to him and, and walking with him. And I said, like, like this sermon series? And I just said the title and I said, that's too negative for you? Like, what do we need? And so he's like, well, you know, it's just it's more like, like he was talking about like that afternoon, like that, like that, that morning sermon. So when people say lately, they mean like five minutes ago, just FYI. Um, cause they don't, they literally don't remember my sermon from the week before, you know, they don't, they don't know. All they knew is that like that Sunday morning, I had read from the book of revelation where it talked about judgment, uh, and hell. And he said, well, that's, that's just really negative. And I said, well, yeah, it's not like high five, like, woohoo, let's all go to hell. That's not fun. Like nobody's, like, yeah, but this is what the Bible says. And so if my preaching is as negative as the Bible is, then I'll take that as long as I'm as positive of the Bible also, right? And so I'm just, that's my job as a preacher, just to be, like, to communicate the Bible to you. I don't know what else, like, this is my job. I don't know what more you want from me. Uh, I, you know, and, and so, but, but what's, what's interesting is that person, though, they, they hadn't thought that before. They hadn't thought that when I read from particular scriptures, it was too negative before. But at that time in their life, they were trying to veer off the path. They were trying to do their own thing. And the Bible was just darn annoying. You know, this idea of eternal torment is just darn annoying. I don't want to think about that. What the heck? You know, burning, falling, all that kind of nonsense. Like, I don't want to think about that. It's just kind of interrupting my, my, my lovely lie that I am telling myself over and over in my head. And so the truth is quite disturbing to people who don't want it. And so what John is saying, the key then is to overcome the world. And I like how that is in the present tense, that, that, that the one who is born of God overcomes. That means it's a continuous action, which means you're never going to stop fighting. <laughs> so if you're here today and you feel like I'm a million miles away from overcoming, or if you're here today, you've been overcoming for 35 years, we're all in the same boat because we're all fighting this week. We are all engaging in a battle against the thoughts of this world, the value systems of this world. So no matter where you are, like we're, it's a level playing field at this point. And all of us make a decision every single day to fight this idea of the world because it's, it's being bombed. We are getting these messages and it's within us, this very idea of selfishness. It's not native to us, it's within us. And so, and so what, what I do know is that we're all in a battle, but the one who is born of God, the difference between the one who is born of God and not born of God is the one who is born of God is an overcomer in that battle. And so this is what God has for you. God has victory for you. He doesn't have a promise of escaping the fight. No one's going to get so saved that they don't have to fight anymore. <laughs> no one's going to get so filled with the Holy Spirit that they don't have to fight anymore. Like you speak in tongues, you still got to fight. 
right? You get the word of, word, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, you're still going to have to fight. And so no matter where you go in your spiritual journey, no matter, no matter how holy you get, you are still going to have to fight. But the, the promise of Scripture is that the one who is born of God will overcome or will have victory in the fight. And so today, for the next 25 minutes, I want to share with you some just two keys. I, I, I've, I've tried to do three points all my life, and I'm done. I'm, just, I'm going with two points because that's all I can handle, all right? I get bogged down, and it just takes forever. So I'm trying to have self-awareness. I'm trying to work on that. So I want to give you just two keys. Really, I want to talk about the position and the posture of the over overcomer, the position and the, the posture of the overcomer. And so, so to, to help with this, I have, a, I have a Bible story from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. They'll have this up on the screen. Um, this is verse, we're going to start at verse 15, but if you read the whole chapter, uh, the first 15 verses talk about how uh, there's a king named Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat has just become king, and his dad was a righteous man, uh, one of the few righteous leaders of that time. And he's king over Judah, and he's following God, and Jehoshaphat follows in his dad's footsteps, and he He's also doing what is right. Well, guess what? If you, want, if, if, if you want to get into a fight with the enemy, just decide you're going to do what is right. <laughs> and then the enemy, they, as long as you're not doing what's right, the enemy is good with you. It's fine. He's going to leave you alone. And some of you are like, well, yeah, maybe I should not. No. Like, what are you talking about? He'll leave you alone until your last breath. Then he will torment you for eternity. So he's not your friend. He's not nice. He's just leaving you alone now. But, he, but, you know, torment is, is we'll, we'll turn to the book of Revelation and preach negative for a minute. So I'm getting all negative. I'm sorry. But the enemy is negative, all right? He's not your friend. You don't want him. And so what happens, though, Jehoshaphat is following in the ways of his father, doing what is right. And then these enemies rise up against him. Three different nations come together to attack this tiny little town called Judah. And Jehoshaphat knows that he's in trouble. And so Jehoshaphat brings all of the people together. I mean, you know, it, it's like Everybody come together, meet at the temple, and we're going to pray. And his prayer is a great prayer. He says, uh, he says we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. I love that phrase. And he's, he's waiting on God, and he's, and he's seeking God, and he's seeking his help, and he's calling on his promises, God to fulfill his promises. And then in the middle of that, somebody gets a word. This guy, I think his name is Jezreel, but this, 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 this prophet gets a word from the Lord. And so this is how God speaks to his people even now, right? And so this prophet gets a word from the Lord, and this is what he says in verse 15. He said, listen, all of you, Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed. I love that. And this is how God often starts his messages. Because he knows that we are <laughs> fearful and ready to become dismayed because we're in a battle. Because we're doing what is right, but the enemy is rising up against us. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but it is God's. This is one way to recognize and to remember that I can have victory in my battles. Whatever the battle is, whether it's often that we don't have like armies coming against us. But we do have depression coming against us. We have anxiety creeping up within us. We have addictions sometimes rearing its ugly head from our past. We have relationship issues. We have self-doubt. We have, uh, my goodness, we, we, we have relatives. Uh, a lot of things coming against us. And so, so he, says, he says, do not be afraid of dismay because of this multitude. You need to remember the battle is not yours. The battle is not yours but it is God's. And then he says, tomorrow 
Go down against them, for they will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. For you will not need to fight in this battle. Rather, position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Position yourselves. I want to talk to you about the, the, the position and the posture of an overcomer. I find it interesting. Jezreel stands up. He's got this word from the Lord. He says, do not fear, be dismayed, for the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. And he even says, you will not have to fight. Now, now, now if I am Jehoshaphat and I get the message, I will not have to fight. Whew. That, that is some good news. Praise God. Glory. Hallelujah. That's like, let's just, can we just write a, can we get Elevation to write a song about that? I don't have to fight. Did they already write one? Okay, cool. We'll sing that next week. This will be great. I don't have to fight. I love that idea. I love the concept. God's going to fight for me. This sounds wonderful. And then Jezreel's next message is tomorrow go down against them. Hold up a second. <laughs> I thought you said I don't have to fight. Now, if I don't have to fight, why am I leaving the safety and protection behind these walls? Like, like I'm convinced that I don't have to fight. I believe the word of the Lord. I don't have to fight. And so I'm going to go back to my prayer closet, right, until God just decimates all my enemies for me. So this is, this is where we get confused because prayer is our first response. Absolutely. When the enemy rises up against you, when addiction rises up, when bad attitudes rise up, when whatever is coming against you rises up, you need to go to God in prayer. And the prayer, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Yes, absolutely. But then when you get confirmation from 1 John that he says, hey, all those who are born of God overcome the world. At this point, you have to move from a posture, a position of a, a, a position of petition. Come on, somebody. You got to move from a position of petition to a position of receiving. If you stay in a position of asking, then you'll never get to a place of receiving. And I'm convinced that some people have heard the word of the Lord that they're going to receive, and yet they keep asking as if they're not going to receive. And God says, look, after you find out that you're going to receive the victory, then you need to move your position from a position of asking to a position of receiving. And those are two different places. You do not receive the victory in the temple. You don't receive the victory from the safety of your prayer closet. You, you get the victory there. You, you win the warfare there, but you receive it on the battlefield. <laughs> so this is, this, is, this, is, this is a good word for some of you because you've just been asking and asking and asking, and you haven't been receiving. You've got to change your position. But keep praying every day, absolutely. Knock and ask and do that because that's where the victory's won, but it's not where it's realized. The victory's accomplished in prayer. I'm certain if Jehoshaphat did not pray, God would not have done what he's about to do. Absolutely sure of it. He wouldn't have heard from Jezreel, that's for sure. You have to go wait on God. You have to seek him. You have to cry out to him. But then after you get a word from the Lord, after you read 1 John chapter 5, where it says, he who is born of God overcomes the world, stop asking for God to overcome the world and start walking or positioning yourself to receive that very victory. Now, I know this is kind of, you know, it's conceptual. So let me just break it down for just a second. Like the way that you change your position, that your, your position is so important. It's, it, 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 like, for instance, okay, so, so, so just recently, just this week, I was at prayer on Wednesday night. That's a position thing. I position, physically put myself 
in this sanctuary on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, right? Well, I, I actually got here at 5 to set up. But anyway, you know, at 7 o'clock, we gather here. Different people gather online. We gather. We position ourselves. Now, I can't guarantee you that every single Wednesday night is going to be mind-blowing and God's going to, you know, raise the dead. But I do know that, that when I position myself in a place of receiving, then at least I have the opportunity to receive. And so if I never position myself in a, in a place of receiving, I'll never even have the opportunity to receive the things God's promised me. This is true of Wednesday night uh, prayer. This is also, this is why we're having a camp meeting because we are intentionally positioning ourselves in, in, in like these extra special moments, lots of prayer and fasting about who should speak and worship and all that kind of thing. But it's all so that you guys can position yourself to go further with God than you could by just coming in and checking a box on Sunday morning. Because we, it's more difficult to come out on Monday night. That's the idea. Like, it, 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 is, it is more difficult to position yourself. It's so much easier to sit and hear the wonderful, lovely promises of God. It's, it's difficult for Jehoshaphat to say, I'm not going to fight, but I better strap on a sword and go out to the battlefield. Are these people going to high-five you when they see you? Like, how is this going to work? You, like if, if there's an entire army, three armies actually coming against you, and like you go out there, you know, and say hello, like this isn't going to go well. <laughs> and yet, and yet, God says, "No, I want you to position." Why? Because when you change your position, you are activating faith. I am certain that even though God spoke a promise to Jehoshaphat, if Jehoshaphat would not have changed his position, God would not have been able to fulfill his promises because God has chosen to limit his power to our level of faith. And faith is so much more than a mental, yes, he is going to deliver us. Yes, every, I won't have to fight. It's more than just a mental thought. It is, it is physical action. Because, like, this is why your position is more powerful than your profession. Because you can say something. Like, if you say, oh, church is important, church is important, and you never go to church, you will eventually stop saying church is important, not the other way around. What you profess or what you say has some power, but what you do has a lot more power. Because when you position yourself, you are then confirming what you've been saying. And if you confirm what you, if you say something's important and then your kids see you live as if it's important, it confirms that it's important both to them and to you. And it's so much more powerful. This is why God wanted Jehoshaphat to move so that then God could move. Because God wasn't about to move if Jehoshaphat didn't have faith. Faith is, is, is elementary to receiving the promises of God. Well, guess what? You can't have faith if you don't act on anything. Because faith isn't up here. It, it is up here, and then it is here, and then it is down here on your feet. It has to translate to what you're actually doing. And so Jehoshaphat needed, like God needed Jehoshaphat to move so that God could move. Not because God's weak or limited, but because he has chosen to limit himself to the faith of his people. That he has chosen to work in conjunction with us. And that seems crazy to me, because if I were him, I'd just do it all. <laughs> it seems like that'd be a lot more effective. But yet from the very beginning, when he created man, he gave him dominion over the birds and over the fish and over everything. Why? Because God wanted to work together. So this is our purpose in life is to work with God to fulfill his commands and his promises and his covenant on the earth that we work with him. And so Jehoshaphat is a part of that. And you and I are a part of that. 
Like, like you, 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 like you, you can hear God say that he's going to restore your marriage and he's going to, and he's going to bless your, your marriage. And it's going to be great. But if you don't position yourself, if you don't show up in your marriage, that's all Tony Evans said. Uh, every, you know, he, 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 said, he, said, he said, people often say, Did, are you the one that shared that? Somebody shared a Tony Evans quote that like people often say that uh, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, you know. And they say that because they say, well, then I don't need to go to church. But it's true. that That's true. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. But, you know, going home doesn't make you married. <laughs> but if you never go home, you might not be married for very long. <laughs> it's going to be a tough relationship. No, you have to show up. You have to position yourself in marriage. You have to, you have to, you have, to have conversations, men. <laughs> You got to talk. You know, it's tough, but this is important. It's, it's, I, don't, I don't really know what to say. You don't have to know what to say. You just have to open your mouth and communicate. You have to show up. You have to have some hard conversations. Like in, we've, in our marriage, we've had several like pivotal moments where we had these difficult conversations that were really hard to have at the time, but they brought so much healing out of those difficult conversations. I'm telling you, 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 you have to position yourself. If you never sit down and have the difficult conversation, you will not receive the promise of, of, of the kind of marriage that God's promised you. If you don't show up, if you don't, if, if you work all the time and you're never home, you won't receive the promise. I guess I'm talking to all the guys here. But ladies, if you just complain all the time, you'll never receive the promise. I'm telling you, if you just nag your husband all day, every day. You'll never receive the promise that he's promised you. Relationship takes, yes, the favor of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, but also your choice to show up. This is true in, ter- in terms of work. You can pray all you want about favor with your boss and your job. But if you're late every day, come on. Like, you've got to show up. Like, there's a part of your position. You've got to position yourself to receive the promises of God. And it doesn't mean that you make it happen. You just put yourself in a position where when it happens, you can receive it. God makes it happen. God does the work. He does the miracle. But he does the miracle in conjunction with your faith stepping out. And this is true of tithing. This is why we tithe. Because basically we say, God, I believe, I believe that you are the Lord over my finances. You are my provider. And I believe that so much, I'm not just going to think it. And I'm not just going to say it. But I'm literally going to take 10% of my income and give it to you. Because I believe that you are my provider and that you can do more that you can help me do more on 90% than I can do by myself with 100%. Right? And won't he do it? Yeah, he will. And this, this, but so much of the Christian life is, look, obedience activates the power of God. Obedience activates God. And so what I'm asking from, from you for Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night is be obedient to God. Step into, step into what he's calling you to do. We're not, like, we don't get any, I don't get a raise for more, having more services at church. I don't know if you know this or not. I get paid the same whether you all show up or not. And it doesn't make me feel any better about myself. Oh, look at all the people here. I feel so good about myself. Like, that's not the point. I, I, I love it. I, I love seeing you. But for, at the end of the day, I'm doing this so that you have an opportunity to be obedient to God, to show up in a way that's kind of different and weird and odd for him to fulfill the promises he's been giving you. So that you don't just hear promises and sing about promises, but you receive promises. And Jehoshaphat had to get into a position of receiving. 
And actually, he, he says this in verse 20. If we go down to verse 20, the next day, uh, Jehoshaphat goes out there. They rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood up and said, now, he, he, he realizes he himself is scared. He himself, he's like, this is crazy. And now he has a whole bunch of people following him. They're not, I don't know that they're even ready for battle because they, according to God, they don't have to fight, but they're going out to where the enemy is. And he stands up and says, hear, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. And this is his message. Believe in the Lord. <laughs> like that's it. It's about faith. Now, he's not saying that from the comfort of his prayer closet. He's not saying that from the seclusion of, of, of the place where they were praying, you know, the temple behind the walls of Jerusalem. He's saying that out in the middle of the desert on the way to meet three armies that are coming for them. And they don't really, they're not planning on fighting. Yeah. And he says, but I'm telling you, the key to this victory is your faith. And so he's standing in a position of receiving. He says, oh, Israel, believe on the Lord, or Jerusalem, believe in the Lord, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. That's a biblical principle. And by believe, he doesn't mean come into a mental agreement with only. Rather, come into a mental agreement with and then act upon that mental agreement. Act as if it's true. Let your life, like he's, he's out there in the middle of nowhere. He's like, let me tell you guys. We have to believe in the Lord and believe his prophets. It, you're, you're, his life is proving what his mouth says. His feet are proving what his mouth says. And this is how you receive the promises of God. When your life starts proving what your mouth says. When you live as if God is real. Like you can tell everybody that God is real and I believe in God and all kinds of things. But if you don't live as if he's real. You can say you believe in heaven and hell. But if you don't live as if heaven and hell are real. You can say you believe that everybody needs to hear about Jesus, but if you don't live as if everybody needs to hear about Jesus. Like, some, so many of the, of the things that we say and the things we really truly believe in our head never translate to our feet and to our hands, to our life. We, we, we believe that, yes, everybody I know is going somewhere, heaven or hell forever. But yet we never open up our mouth to share with anybody anything that might help them get to heaven. Well, that doesn't work. That's not the kind of faith that receives from God. That's the kind of faith that believes something but lives something different. <laughs> and Jehoshaphat stood in the middle of the wilderness away from the shelter, and he said, let me just tell you, we have to believe in God and believe the words of his prophets. And so he steps out uh, to do that. If we go down to verse 21, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing. <laughs> yeah, we're going into battle. We need some singers. Who's going who's gonna to lead worship around here? Can, we, can anybody carry the tune? Jonathan, get up here. Get, figure this out. Like, let's, like, it's so, but you see, you see Jehoshaphat's mindset. You see that he says it's important that we believe God. And then you see that he lives. It's important that we believe God. And I, I want my kids to see that I say it's important that we believe God. And I, wanna, I want them to, to see that I live, that it's important I believe God. And now his actions are also proving this. 
So instead of like, okay, so does anybody have any like BB guns or anything? Like, do you have like pitchforks? Did anybody bring their switchblades? Like, are we gonna like like they're gonna come up over the hill? We're, does it, is any jujitsu fighters? Like, I mean, does like do we have any MMA? Like, can, like are you good at hand to hand mortal? Like, let's get you out front. No, he's not trying to hedge his bets. I mean, from a human standpoint, he is, however, building up this thing called faith. And this is the position. It's also the posture of an overcomer. A posture of an overcomer is somebody who's going into their battle focused on God alone. Not focused on the enemy. Not focused on what uh, your relatives are saying about you. Not focused on your feelings. (laughs) But stepping into the battlefield focused on God. And positioning yourself Position yourself to be able to receive from God. And so that's what he says. He says, can we get some singers over here? And he says, so that we can sing to the Lord and praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army, they were saying, this is what they were singing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. <laughs> that sounds weird. Like this is not the way that I thought this was going to go down. But in verse 22, the Bible kind of, pans out. You know, you're in Google Earth. You're zoomed in. I introduced Micah to Google Earth this week, and he's like, can we see like the big circle thing where the Romans fought? And I'm like, well, you can't go back in time, but there is a remnants of a Colosseum. So we went over to Rome, and we were like walking around. Uh, the, you can walk around the Colosseum. You can actually go into the Colosseum on Google Earth. So anyway, it's kind of cool. Uh, so on Google Earth, you know, you're zoomed in, and we were zoomed in so close that we see Jehoshaphat appointing singers and stuff, and, and, and zoomed in. But then all of a sudden, the Bible kind of pans out, swords out, and then zooms in over here to where the enemy is. And that's what verse 22. Now it says, now when they began to sing, now, they couldn't see this. They were just praising God. They were just singing. But what, but what Google Earth would show you is that exactly when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, that the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon and Moab in Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. So this is, this is so the Bible kind of pans out and says, okay, so these two things are happening at the same time. They don't seem connected, but they really are. There's this guy over here who is being told to step into victory, even though he doesn't know how he's going to get victory. And so he starts walking toward victory, even though he doesn't know how he's going to get victory. He feels like he's stepping into defeat, but he, but he believes. Like, this is so important that how you feel is one thing. You, sometimes you have to set that aside and ask yourself, what do you believe? I don't feel worthy to come to church. If you wait until you feel worthy to come to church, you'll never come. (laughs) The question is not, are you worthy? It's, are you ready for God to do something in your life? And it's the same thing, like, as as, as I know as I talk about small groups, right? And I'm going back to the whole position thing. This is why I can't do three points, because I get stuck on the first one. But, like, like, we're asking you to join small groups because it's a position thing. I don't know anybody in small groups. I don't, I, they all, I just, it's, I don't know anybody. And guess what? This is amazing. But if you never go to a small group, you'll never know anybody in the small groups. It's really weird how it works that way. I know it's strange, but here's the deal. Mind blown. Like you, like you have to step into something new to receive something new. You have to step into a place of community to get friends. This is how that works. I mean, if you want to apply that same thinking to the rest of your life, go ahead. I don't know anybody at the, at the bar, so I'm not even going to go to the bar. Yes, good idea. Don't go to the bar. That'll help you out. Oh, strangely enough, you're cool not knowing anybody at the bar. 
wait a minute, time out. What are you gonna, you're just going to walk in there, don't know anybody? What if something weird happens or somebody weird hits on you? Because they will. Like, I'm just, that's not going to happen at City Chapel University. Well, it's probably not going to happen at City Chapel University, okay? But it's like you have to position yourself sometimes to receive something new. And, that, and, that, and that's why we create small groups. Not because, once again, we don't get any bonuses as a church. Like, oh, more people are going to small groups. There's no award nationally for most people going to small groups. We just want you to have an extra opportunity to position yourself to come into community with other people that are Christians, that love Jesus. That's it. And maybe learn something. <laughs> maybe. But at least build some friendships over the next three months. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Well, that, that doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't happen, you know, the, the church, they, they, they're, they're just so clicky. No, those are people who have decided to become friends. That's what happens. Like, and hey, if you want to be our friend, just, just come along. Just step in. We're not scary. We're not, we don't exclude people. We don't judge. We're not that judgy, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the preacher's the most, probably the most judgy. I mean, like, once you get past this, like, it's all good. Like, a lot of, they're way nicer than me. Like, for real. My wife, just meet her. Talk to her. She's a lot nicer than me. Way, not, way more words of encouragement. She'll tell you, you look great and all this stuff. And I think it, I just don't say it. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. I'm working on saying it. But thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But that's the position of an, over, of an overcomer. But then the posture of an overcomer is worship. That I am focused on God and his capabilities in my battle. That I'm stepping into battle, yes, but I'm not expecting to have to get the victory. I'm expecting, I'm coming with expectation that God's going to do something amazing in my life. <laughs> That's what worship is. You say, well, 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 how do you get that expectation? Well, Matthew 16 that we read from today that we sang about. Jesus said, Upon this rock, the rock of, of the revelation of Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he says, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, what's weird about that, in English, it sounds like whatever you bind on earth will then, after that fact, be bound in heaven. Right? And whatever you loose or release on earth will, after that fact, be loosed in heaven. But actually, in the original language, it should be translated, whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And this, this correlates with Jesus' prayer, uh, where he said, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. And so this is how, though, like, because if you just read this and it's like, okay, so I need to go speak God's truth and bind things and, 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 and loose things. How do I know what to bind and what to lose? How do I figure this out? I guess I just need to just, just go for it. Whatever I want bound and whatever I want loose. Let's just, let's just start saying all kinds of stuff. Well, you can try that if you want. It's kind of like throwing spaghetti to the wall, see what sticks, you know. But it's not very effective. The most effective way to enter into battle is to understand that I'm not binding or losing anything myself. I am just simply doing on earth what has already been done in heaven. That what God has already declared is going to happen in my life. And so it's not just about speaking out positive things. It's about speaking the things that God has already declared and coming into agreement with him. 
So this is what we do. We come into agreement with heaven that, yes, my marriage will prosper, that, yes, my kids will be saved, that, yes, my relatives will come to know God, that, yes, my, my, my city will turn around for him, that, yes, my country will not go to hell, that, yes, uh, that the, 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 the election cycle will not affect my emotions and my health and my mental well-being, that, yes, I am a child of God, and, yes, I will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And yes, I will hear from God. And yes, I will speak his word. And yes, I will speak in tongues. And yes, I will have words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And I will do everything the Bible said that I could do. That I will be free. Even if I don't see the freedom. Even if I'm dealing with, with addiction and that keeps rearing its ugly head. But I will be free because whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And yes, I will win this battle. I might lose a couple times in the meantime, but I will win this battle. What you're doing is you're not just speaking positively. You're speaking biblically. And as we speak biblically and as we live biblically and as we think biblically, we position ourselves and we put ourselves in the right posture to receive from God because exactly at the same time as they are elevating the goodness and the mercy specifically the mercy of God that's their song his mercy endures forever not he's a great warrior I would have been singing that you know this is how I fight my battles like that's what I would have been doing but no like they're not even they're not even about fighting they're about the mercy of God Why? Because at the end of the day, it's about who he is, not about what he does or what I do or what I do through him. It's about who he is. Worship is a celebration of his mercy, his grace, his kindness, his compassion, his goodness, his justice, his truth, his eternity. He has no beginning and no end. And as we elevate him and we focus on him, Then at the exact same time that we lift him up, he begins dealing with our enemies before we even make it to the battlefield. I believe that stuff can happen in this room that affects things outside of this room. Things can happen. Yeah, things happen all the time within one geographical place that impact a completely different geographical place. So this past Wednesday night, right, I positioned myself just because that's what I do. Because on Wednesday night, I pray, and I come here, and I gather, and, uh, and, and we, we prayed, and it, was, and it was fine. It was fine. It was good. It was nice. And then afterward, we were sitting around talking, and I had, like, I had forgotten, but I had this, this back issue. My back was super sore all week, and Ro can attest to this. She's been doing a lot of massaging. But what happens is when I was, like, 23 and stupid, um, I did some stuff to my, to, my, to my hamstrings that occasionally my hamstrings just seize up. And your hamstrings are hooked on the bottom of your spine. So if they seize up, your whole lower back hurts really bad. And, and, and I got to a place when I was in college where I couldn't, I, I had to go to the ER and get a shot in my rear end just to release the muscles because I couldn't stand up. I, I was just in pain. And so something happened last Saturday uh, that sort of uh, insta- instigated all this. And so Sunday I was a little sore. Monday I was really sore and I like I, I couldn't I couldn't stand up straight and you know so I'm just doing my stretches Rose doing these massages you know and stuff and because I know how to deal with this and I wonder how many things we just put up with in life you know like that God has promises for us and we don't we don't claim what has happened in heaven we don't say I want that on earth Instead, it's like, well, I, I know the stretches I need to do, and it kind of sucks, but you just kind of push through it, and okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna figure this out. And so we were sitting around talking after worship, and I mentioned about my back. I'm like, yeah, I was like real close to the ER. Like if the ground was unlevel, I was like, I was like, I was like 80 years old, you know. No offense, but I was like 90 years old, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was tricky. <laughs> Got to be careful with the ages you're throwing out here. 
the older I get, the older the, the age has to go that I think is old, you know. And, um, yeah, it was, it's like I was 40 years old. And I was just, uh, and, and so, and so, so the, the girls here said, well, well, why don't we pray for you? Why don't we pray that God will touch your back? I was like, yeah, the pastors, yeah, that's a good idea. That's just good thinking. But you just, I just didn't even think about it. I didn't think of myself as, like, needing prayer. I wasn't crippled. I was fine. <laughs> but I wasn't. But I was fine, you know. And so they prayed for me. And, like, the next morning, I was, like, 80% better. The next day, I was 90% better. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm great now. I don't feel like I can bend down and pick up things and all that kind of stuff, wrestle with the kids. And, and I'm, I'm fine. But, but my, my, my point is that sometimes you don't even realize you need prayer. Until you get into the right position and then the right posture of, yeah, God can do anything. So why don't I ask him to do that? <laughs> God can do anything. Why don't I bring that to him? Because, boy, I, I don't want to go to the ER and get a shot in my rear end. But, but, but God has so much for us. And it can happen. Like, things can happen here in, in, in the right place. When you are in the right posture, and the right place isn't always church. I don't want you to get the, the wrong idea. The right posture is worship, and that's happening tonight that's happening tomorrow morning that's happening tuesday morning that's happening when you wake up in the morning that's happening when you go go when you go for that interview that's happening when you get the the latest cdc report about you know how the covid's doing like that happens at any given point that your enemy rises up and anxiety rises up and fear rises up worship can happen right then and there not by okay god i really need you to do the fix this fix this fix this destroy my enemies deal with it no, just recognize who he is. God, you're merciful. Your mercy endures forever. You are good. You are solid. You are my fortress. You are my strength. You are building your church. You are building me. You are faithful to complete what you started in me. When you fail, he's faithful to complete what he started. All right? When you mess up, he's still faithful. And so stop agreeing with the enemy and start agreeing with heaven. That God sees me perfected, as he says, I will be, I will be perfected. That's what he said, that he's able to keep that which I have given unto him against that day. He's able to perfect me. And so if I've messed up, I know that he's still able to perfect me. And it's, it's going to be a journey, but I believe that he can keep what I commit to him. So whatever I've taken off the altar, I put back on the altar. Whatever I've removed from him, I give back to him. Whatever, whatever direction I've tried to go, I stop doing that and I go the direction he's going. I simply walk with him and believe his word. That's just as true today as it was yesterday, no matter what you're facing. And so, Father, I just pray for faith to rise up in this place, that, that tonight there would be great faith. But even just right now, Lord, that you would stir up faith in our hearts, that you would stir up the belief that you are able, and then the position to move from where I am to where you want me to be. And, and, and maybe that, that, that is what you're calling us to do today. If you have something that God's been speaking in, into your mind for a while and there's a position you need to shift, sometimes it might be the people you've been hanging out with, it's really hard to follow God if your main friends are people who are not following God. It's really hard to not gossip if your main friends are people who are gossiping, <laughs> even if they say they're following God. You might need to change position. You might need to think about the position that your kids are in, the people your kids are hanging out with. You might need to think about the position that your marriage is in. What, what uh, am I showing up? Am, am I putting myself in the right place? And then am I worshiping? Is my life in a posture of worship? 
Am I constantly thinking about the goodness of God? Am I constantly lifting him up? And if I'm not, how can I do that? How can I reprioritize and move things around? How can I remember to, give, to go to him first instead of worrying first? How can I lay my anxiety down at his feet? Huh. Well, it just starts in prayer. Jehoshaphat went to the temple first. And he said, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And then the Lord spoke to him. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through prophets, through pastors, through evangelists, through teachers, through apostles. Speak to us. Even in our own heart, through the Holy Spirit working within us. Through your word, confirming it. Speak to us about what our next step is. Maybe it is just joining a small group. Maybe it is coming uh, to camp meeting this week or picking a night. But, Lord, speak to us about what our next step 